0: And hello, everybody. Welcome to the Real Talk for Realtors podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. I want to thank everybody for all of the messages, all of the uh, contacts uh, that we've gotten over the last uh, few episodes. A lot of interaction for something that's this new, and I really do appreciate it very much. Thanks for the questions. Um, I had a a couple things come up, and I wanted to talk about one of them today. One of my old students uh, from... I mean, I think 12 years ago, uh, called me and, um, they're running their own brokerage. Now they're teaching their own students now. And they completely forgot about one of the things that I taught them about, uh, how to write a contract. And I wanted to make sure that I mentioned this today because it's just a little bit of a tidbit. It's a little coffee talk and it's something that I hope that no matter where you are, you you folks will, uh, find a way to include this in your, uh, buyer representation. Uh, before we do that, give me just a second to take a sip of my preferred beverage over here. These, uh, allergies are killing me. And there we go. Okay. I think we're doing better now. Everybody, um, I don't know, it was more prevalent years ago, but there are still a whole lot of folks who are handling buyers who want to have closing costs, included in the deal. So this particular episode is is uh, specific to realtors who are writing offers for their buyers. All right? Um when you're writing an offer for closing costs, one of the things that happened, you know, years and years ago was it, there was a rampant uh rush of realtors and mortgage brokers who were basically saying, "Hey, um you know, seller to pay 3% of closing costs." Right? And what what got worse was they'd say seller to pay up to, you know, $3,000 in closing costs or up to 1500 in closing costs, you know, and that kind of thing. And I think that, that as realtors, they thought that they were doing the right thing by saying up to, you know, like it sounded more legal, (laughs) but the fact of the matter is, is they were cutting their own throats. Um, the first thing that we did was we eliminated the up to, All right. And we simply said, they're going to pay that number in closing costs. Well, then the title companies got cute. Okay. And they said, Hey, well, this is not actually a closing cost. This is a fee. This is not a closing cost. This is, um, you know, a point, um, you know, so on and so forth. And, you know, the appraisal fee, for instance, used to be considered a closing cost. Then they said, no, this is a buyer fee that is handled outside of closing costs. And it's like (laughs) the semantics of the whole thing. I'm not sure who was complaining to whom. I'm not sure who was lobbying on what side, but very quickly things changed. And so I said, look, I, I got my people together and I said, listen, this is what we're dealing with. This is how we have to write our contracts. Okay. And I'm not sure based on what state you're in. Um, there are different places to put this type of verbiage. All right. sometimes there's a separate section just for closing costs. Sometimes there's something that has something to do with points or prepaids or something like that. Um, Further conditions is one of those things that is sort of universal to all of the contracts that are out there. And so what I recommend to all you folks, if you have a section where you have to delineate some of these items, you can always put an asterisk and say, see further conditions. As long as you write that in there and you don't just ignore it and leave it, you're still legal. You're still good. You know what I mean? And hey, I'm not giving legal advice. I'm simply giving you a suggestion on how to best write a contract to best represent your buyer. Okay. Now a lot of you listing agents out there are going to go, well, I hate it when people do that. I'm not talking to you right now. I'm talking to buyers agents, people who are working with buyers. Because when you're working with your buyer, that's who you represent. So, the way that you want to word these things, quite simply, seller to pay whatever the amount is, and we'll just use say three thousand dollars for sake of consistency. Okay, seller to pay three thousand dollars towards closing costs, points prepaids fees and or other costs incurred by buyer throughout this transaction. Ba-da-ba-boom. Now, you can shave part of that back if you want. You can tailor it to however you want to do it, but this is what I taught my people. And this is what I reminded my friend of here, you know, my old student when they called me back. Because it's fallen back into the blase of, oh, just towards closing costs. And we even have people writing, you know, up to again. Folks, when you say $3,000, up to $3,000 in closing costs, it doesn't mean you're getting $3,000. Okay, Now, depending on how the law works in your particular state, you can also include in that soliloquy of of, uh, word salad that we just put out there, you can include, um, you know, comma inspections. Throw that in there. Comma follow-ups, et cetera, et cetera. Anything that you'd like to have considered part of that money so that you make sure you get all of those dollars for your buyer can be put in there. And if somebody has an issue with it, hey, they can always counter. The seller's protected on this because it still says seller to pay $3,000, blah, blah, blah. So the listing agent is not hung out to dry. If you're a listing agent, this shouldn't bother you at all. You simply go to your seller and you subtract the $3,000 on your seller net sheet. For a buyer, however, if you're not doing it this way and you're not including all of these different miscellaneous possibilities, there's a very good chance that, you know, at H hour, the title company comes back to you and says, well, you know, we only had $1,400 in closing costs. So sorry. No, 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 no. When you write it that way or in a way that's similar, Okay, so that you can stay legal within your state and you include those things and you eliminate the words up to. Folks, I'm telling you right there, you, it, you're golden. If you're not doing this now, if you're not including this in your contracts, start. And hey, don't take my word for it if you don't want to. Go talk to your broker. Is it okay if I do this? And if your broker tells you it's not okay, Ask them why. And then do me a favor and message me. Because I can't wait to talk to that broker. (laughs) I can't wait to find out what possible reason you might have to not represent your buyer to the fullest. That's insanity, folks. Now, I do understand that there are still a few states that, um, use seller sub agency. Okay. And, and don't actually have buyer brokerage. Most states at this point have buyer brokerage. They have agency agreements and it's designated that if you're handling the buyer, unless you're the listing agent, then you're a a dual agent or a, a limited agent. Unless you're the listing agent, then you are the buyer's agent. Okay. While we're talking about the buyer's agent, I want to throw one more little thing out there. And again, this depends on the state that you're in and the area that you're in and so on, but look into this. Some states have what you call inferred buyer agency, which means that if you are representing the buyer, then there's just an inferred agency agreement and you don't need to have a buyer broker agreement in place. Folks, I recommend having a buyer broker agreement in place no matter what, no matter what. Because I don't believe in anything that says inferred. If you're asking me to risk my career, my livelihood, if you're asking me to risk the way that I bring home the bacon and put food on the table for my children, and you're asking me to trust the word inferred, I'm going to tell you to go jump in a lake. Legal, ironclad agreements are the best ones. Everything spelled out in writing is the best way to go. Does it take more time? Yeah. Is it one more piece of paper? Yeah. Is it harder to do sometimes? Sure. But is it worth it? (laughs) I can tell you that in my time as a broker and as an owner, the number of situations that came up, (laughs) as I look back on that number of situations that came up, The agents that took care to dot their I's and cross their T's did very well in those situations. I was able to stand behind them 100%. We were able to basically say, go ahead and sue us if you want to, because we know we're okay. And nothing happened. The agents on the other side of that coin, however, who didn't dot their I's and cross their T's, who didn't have buyer broker agreements when they should have, who didn't have commissions spelled out, who didn't have closing costs and things like that all spelled out. Well, none of them ever actually got sued, but an awful lot of them had to go into their own pocket to prevent it from happening. And you know, at this point, that I'm a huge proponent of you being paid for your work. The worst thing in the world is to get a deal closed, get paid for your work, do everything you're supposed to do, and then because you didn't dot your I's and cross your T's, because you didn't do things the way you should have, have to go back into your pocket and give money back. Ugh. Don't put yourself in that position. All right, we will talk more about this. Uh, Know your license law. Know your license law, folks. We're going to talk a lot more about that. But I hope that the first part of this and that verbiage in terms of uh, buyer's closing costs will help you just a little bit. So re-listen to this. Write that stuff down. uh, Take some notes. and uh, Put it in your phone so that you have easy access to it. And the next time you write an offer for a buyer, put that in there. And when they want to know why it looks that way, just say, because I want to make sure I'm taking care of you. And they're going to love you for it. Do what you got to do. Dot your I's. Cross your T's. Time for some real talk, folks. Till next time.